Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Sorois. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. What's up? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, laying low here in Austin, relatively hungover. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, it was uh, uh, our good friend Jake Rowe's birthday last night, and so nice. that was fun. Um, <laughs> I got to watch him raise money on uh, Cash App for the express purpose of a single dice roll. And, uh, Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it, it worked out. Uh, yeah, he ended up... People ended up donating like 500 bucks and he played it in one roll and one. So good for him. Oh, that's awesome. Good for Jake. Shout out to Jake. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. It seems like it's sort of coming in waves. Like I know it's, I know it's summer and it's like, you know, especially after the year we've had, people have been going a little wild, but I feel like it kind of calmed down for a while. And then like the last week or two, I feel like everyone I know has been going so nuts. Yeah. Being like very hungover. Maybe it's like the apocalyptic thing of, uh, you know, the uh, COVID, COVID not being as over as we may have hoped. Yeah. <laughs> like people yeah. Are just, just going moon. a little harder. Yeah. I, I kind of chill. Cause I, I, we had a bunch of people at my store get COVID uh, and they're like, you told, I, yeah, yeah, you were talking about that on the last episode. So I've been picking up a bunch of shifts. So I've actually been doing the opposite. I've been kind of like chilling out. So last night or the last two nights was like my, was like my, my my uh my triumphant return because <laughs> we we did uh, we did two things for Jake so but yeah it's, uh, we just we had a we had a, a meeting for my other podcast at seven p.m. on Sunday evening and I think every person was somehow hungover <laughs> at seven p.m. like yeah. it, it ended up being a twenty minute meeting because we were all just like so sleepy <laughs> and like yeah so who knows but uh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of partying, I feel like okay. uh, our story today is about a man who lived a very lavish life for a short period of time uh, Hell before, yeah. before things caught up with him. <laughs> uh, a tale as old as our podcast itself. Exactly, yeah. Um, this is a really interesting one. So this is a relatively recent story. If you're somebody who keeps up with uh, with scam news, you may have read this or heard about this. Um, this, I got most of the information for this from a really, really great article in Bloomberg, uh, called the fall of the billionaire Gucci master, which (laughs) that name alone should probably get you excited. Yeah. That's dope. (laughs) I like that. The the billionaire, that sounds sounds like a, like a lion tamer kind of thing. The billionaire Gucci master. The billionaire Gucci master. Yeah. So this is by, um, Evan Ratliff. Uh, Tope Alaki and Zainab Fata wrote this story. And uh, there's a ton. I, I read this and then summarized, you know, for this. It's it's a super long, detailed article. So if you're curious about sort of the, the specifics of this stuff, like I definitely recommend the article. But uh, I just, you know, I picked out some of the more colorful details to try to try to weave some podcast entertainment together for us. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited because this actually involves a scam that I had never really heard of and that is apparently extremely common. So Ooh, okay. this this may, you know, help out some people perhaps to be on the lookout for this. So um You said it was an yeah. it was an Instagram scammer, right? Well, he wasn't per- perpetrating the scams on Instagram, but he was Instagram famous. Oh, so, okay. um, yes. I mean, the billionaire Gucci master, like, obviously that guy is doing numbers on social media. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's his shit. Absolutely. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that everyone uh, on Instagram who uses filters is, in a way, a scam artist. So that's just a uh, personal belief. <laughs> you can... I, I do think it would be kind of fun to do a bonus episode on all of the ways that you can um, edit photos to make yourself oh. you know, look hotter. I, that might be a fun one because I, yeah. I have I have done pretty extensive research on this. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Jay- I don't I don't do it. I like I, I don't facetune or anything, but like um, I definitely I learned recently that um, you can change the you can sort of stretch photos vertically to make yourself look th- thinner and make your legs look longer Ooh. and uh, i have absolutely done that so. <laughs> i am gonna make myself <laughs> six seven in a, in a photo. <laughs> it's funny because once you realize how to do it it's so easy to spot and like so many people take it to extremely cartoonish extremes yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah that's a whole other episode entirely this guy uh unlike a lot of instagram scammers the stuff he was posting on instagram was pretty legit it's just the way that he was getting all of that stuff was pretty not legit 
Oh, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we had a roommate uh, back in an old house I lived at, and his Instagram was just full of, like, our shit. <laughs> like, he would just yes. wake up and, like, take pictures <laughs> of, like, my studio mic and, like, my iMac. And, like, I remember uh, Josh's <laughs> friend came to visit from Kansas one day, and he had an iPad or uh, a MacBook and some Beats headphones. And he followed our roommate on uh, Instagram the night he got there when he met everybody. And the next morning he woke up and his shit was on Poopy's Instagram. <laughs> and he was just like, Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe a guy named Poopy was not on the up and up on Instagram. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, he he's got some name recognition out there. Everybody knows Poopy is not on the up and up on anything. Tell him, tell him I said it. <laughs> um, well, this guy not quite as colorful a nickname, but I do really like his <laughs> his nickname. So the guy the guy's name is Ramon Abbas, and uh, he on Instagram went by the name Ray Hush Puppy with an I. H U S H P U P P I. So he didn't Very call he didn't call himself the billionaire Gucci master. Well, he did. He did refer to himself as the Gucci Master quite a bit, um, because as we will get into, he had a an extreme penchant for uh, designer clothing. Oh, okay. That his big things were mostly luxury cars and designer clothing, particularly Gucci. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this expensive tastes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he he could afford it. Um, so this guy Ramon Abbas, he uh, is from Nigeria. He grew up in Lagos. And uh, at, at the time that most people sort of started noticing him on Instagram, he was living in Dubai in uh, the penthouse of the Palazzo Versace, which I guess is a Versace-owned hotel in Dubai. Wow. Uh, which I cannot believe is a real place and is kind of disgusting, but also like <laughs> yeah. very with this dude. Um, yeah, so he had over two and a half million Instagram followers. Uh, he... Uh, was basically an A-list celebrity in Nigeria. Um, there were like always, you know, like gossip blogs about him. He was constantly like beefing with people, and it was like <laughs> in the in the sort of like Nigerian TMZ. Like he was yeah. very well known in this in this country where he's from. Hell yeah, I, I love what little uh, stories I hear about like the, the burgeoning like entertainment and media scene in, in Nigeria. Like, uh, it's, I don't like it, 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 what I catch is like through things that Uber drivers are listening to or the occasional, yeah. t- the occasional tweet that makes it on my timeline, but it's always super fun and full of like, just like crazy cool characters. I mean, I really like Nigerian music. Um, like there's a lot of like old, good Nigerian funk. That's like awesome. But also I'm really into this guy named Burna boy. Who's a Nigerian, uh, like singer and rapper. And, uh, he rules. So if you like African music or if you're wondering what your Nigerian uh, Uber driver is listening to, it, it is likely Burn a Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Tight, tight. But anyway, so yeah, this guy, uh, millions of Instagram followers, like a very famous Nigerian. Um, he So as I said, he grew up in Lagos and he has some very humble beginnings. Uh, his father was a Muslim. His mother was a Christian. Uh, his father was a taxi driver and his mother sold bread. So pretty like working class yeah. people. Um, and his his neighbors in his neighborhood in Lagos remember him as like a, a friendly kid. He wasn't, you know, particularly a troublemaker or anything. But they did remember that he always had an appetite for the finer things in life. Um, even when he was a little kid. Like they yeah. were like... They, so his name's Ramon, and they were like, we called him Ramoni, and he was like this little fancy boy, like he's a fashionista. <laughs> is Ramoni, is it like a reference to like Ramoni? <laughs> like I don't know, yeah, they just, they, they called him Ramoni, which I think is cute, but yeah, he, I, maybe because it sounds Italian, and he was like really into Italian designers. Oh, there you go, there you go. I, I just but, heard that, I thought Razor Ramoni. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so, like, he he said that, like, when he was growing up in Lagos, he would, like, go into town, into, like, the nicer neighborhoods and scour, like, thrift stores for cheap designer labels and then resell them in his neighborhood. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so he was, like, a hustler from the beginning, and he, he loved, like, you know, the fashion stuff, and uh, he was always trying to, like, hang out in the wealthy uh, business districts in Lagos. Like, he... He had like big dreams for for wealth and for something bigger than his sort of humble beginnings. Hell yeah. Um, so in 2014, uh, he left Lagos and moved to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, he lived there for a few years and then eventually went to Dubai. 
And in both places, he was known particularly for his appetite for designer fashion. Um, he, uh, as we'll get into, like he he became like sort of a VIP at these designer stores. Like ah, yes. he to, to quote. In, to quote Titty Boy, walk into the Gucci store, baby, I'm home. I feel it. I feel it. Exactly. Uh, also, that's, to be that's what the Gucci master was yeah, going for, for sure. To be renowned for being like for wearing higher, like finer clothing and like higher end stuff in Dubai, you really got to be swinging for the fences, like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, like he he just like always loved this life, and he was like really well regarded by like these fashion houses. They would like fly him out to fashion shows like they would have give him gifts on his birthday and stuff because he spent so much money at these stores um so once he like sort of gets established in kuala lumpur uh he starts posting on instagram and this is like in the early 2010s kind of mid 2010s um and his early photos were like very modest you know he had like a little apartment but he was really engaging on camera. He was really charismatic. And he, as we said, he was like a total fashionista. So he was constantly posting like his outfits. Yeah. And. Tripping to death. He, exactly. And so like he didn't have a lot, but he he looked good. And, uh, you know, he, he just gave, had this sort of aura of confidence. And uh, people started liking his posts. Um, he posted a lot of sort of the classic flex culture, like, uh you know, sort of motivational stuff that we always talk about. Yeah, yeah. Like, here, this is an example of an early uh, caption from him. God opens millions of flowers without forcing the buds. It tells us not to force anything, for things will happen in the right time. Hashtag happy Sunday. Hashtag Louis Vuitton. Hashtag Versace. Hashtag Versace belt. Hashtag Versace ring. So, hashtag Versace belt. That is yeah. so tight. Uh, <laughs> also, like if, you, if you're staying at a Versace hotel, like... I was thinking, like, if you steal, like, a towel or whatever, it's going to be, like, $4,700. They just right? charge your car. Yeah, yeah. is it? I uh, bet the robes in there are fucking lit. I bet they're yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, he, he clearly starts to amass wealth uh, as his sort of Instagram presence grows, but it is unclear where it is coming from. Oh, okay, that's going to be my question. Um, I was going to ask, A, is it identifiable where it's from? Also, was he, like, monetizing his social media pool uh, in any way? Like... It, it doesn't seem so, although, like, this was in the era before people had to disclose sponsorships and ads and stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. they still were supposed to, but it was before the era where anyone did. So um, it's, it's sort of unclear, but, like, he never really gave any explanation for how he was able to afford all of this stuff. Hell um, yeah. However, if you were paying attention and you knew this guy, you may have been able to uh, assess what was going on. Um, because as, as an example, um, in January of 2015, the Versace store in Kuala Lumpur presented Hush Puppy and his friend, uh, Samson Oyekunle, uh, with gifts celebrating their status as the best customers of 2014. Naturally, Hush Puppy documented the event in an Instagram post and, uh, he and his friend Oyekunle, uh, you know, were, were videos of them sort of opening their gifts at the Versace store and, uh, you know, documented like they, you know, they tagged each other and all this stuff. So not long after this, uh, his friend, Oye Kunle, moved to Houston, Texas. And uh, about a year later, he was arrested and charged with participating in multiple frauds of something called a business email compromise scam. Uh, he pleaded guilty to opening bank accounts across Houston to facilitate the schemes uh, with unnamed co-conspirators outside the U.S. and was sentenced to five years in prison. So, <laughs> yeah. his very close friend uh, was was participating in this. So, if you were paying attention, you could have perhaps inferred that this was something Hush Puppy was involved in. <laughs> and, see, Hush uh, Puppy, that, I had no idea he was doing any yeah. of that. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and, you know, like... We all have friends who have different relationships with the law. I don't mean to uh, implicate, but uh, as we will get into, this this does turn out to be the case. So one of the things that was so interesting about this story to me is that I had never heard of this type of scam before, and it turns out it is really common. So 
uh, as I said, it's it's referred to in sort of you know financial parlance as a BEC fraud. It stands for business email compromise, and um, it turns out, uh, according to the U.S. government, allegedly a boss uh, and a Canadian American from Toronto named Galeb Alamari. Uh, were perpetrating these business email compromise scams as well and uh, were able to amass like hundreds of millions of dollars through doing this. Nice. So this scam, uh, it is the most common form of internet fraud. Uh, it, it sort of just appeared. It's like a pretty recent phenomenon. It started around 2015 and... Um, the uh, SEC, or I, I don't know the, the institution that is responsible for this this uh, number, but the article in Bloomberg said it's responsible for about $1.8 billion in business losses. Wow. And the reason, apparently, that we don't hear about it that much is because it is very embarrassing for businesses who are uh, subject to BEC attacks. Oh, so. man. I, I, I love whenever this, like, the scam is, like, it's too, it's too embarrassing to admit. It's just, like, such a great built-in security for a scam. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'll never tell anybody because it's humiliating. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's so interesting. And, like... Having worked in companies where I have to process invoices, I could completely see how this would be very easy to do. So I'm gonna explain what it is. Um, so the scam typically begins with somebody um, hacking into a business email account using uh, social engineering tactics like phishing. So social engineering tactics in this context basically means they're not using technical skills to hack, they're sort of, getting information out of people through sort of nefarious means. So like, yeah. um, as we'll get into a Nigerian print scam is a classic social engineering scam, phishing, yeah, uh, yeah. romance scams, like all that stuff. That's social engineering as opposed to like hacking. You know what I mean? Yeah, I always thought it's so funny, like, those security questions uh, for emails and stuff. Like, a lot of them are, like, just stuff that anyone who knows you would know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like, like what was your first car? It's like, well, okay, so anyone who's known me since, you know, like, uh, 2003 <laughs> will know what kind of car. You know, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, right. those security questions ain't really shit. A lot of stuff you can find out just from, like, following people on social media for, for long enough. Yeah. Um, or, you know, going through their Facebook friends or whatever. It's like, what's your mom's maiden name? Like, you can find that out, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, you know, your, uh, your, you ever do your, your Star Wars name? It's your mother's maiden name and the first car you right. ever owned. You know? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. All those memes that are just fodder for people doing fishing. Um, but, yeah. So, the way that this works is a little different than a lot of classic um, social engineering scams. Because once they fish... The, the password or the access to the email account, they don't actually do anything at first. All they do Ball is move. sort of monitor what's coming in and going out from this email account and wait for somebody to send an invoice somewhere. And the, I mean, the way that this stuff kind of works is like if you, you know, if your company hires a contractor and the contractor fills out an invoice, they basically just put their, their bank information on the invoice and then the company sends money to that bank information you know so yeah. like th and a lot of times those that information is like not encrypted in any way it's just like on a pdf file that gets sent from one email account to the other so um they basically just wait until that happens and um then like when they figure out you know how the invoices are processed um Depending on who they've compromised, it can work one of two ways. So if the scammers have compromised the email of the intended recipient of the payment, they just take the invoice that got sent, create an identical invoice, and then put their own bank account number on it. Oh. And then send it back to the person and be like, I'm so sorry, I put the wrong information. Yeah. Here's the right information. Because they have access to the email. So they can just send it right from that email. That was uh, 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 Frank Abagnale, the Catch Me If You Can guy, did like an analog version of that scam. Uh, right. Where, yeah, where he stole the deposit slips, just wrote his number on the deposit slips and put them back in the bank. <laughs> yeah, like this is kind of a, a a digital version of that, but targeting businesses. So the money is way higher yeah. than targeting individuals. So... Um, that's what they do if the if they have the recipient's email. If they have the invoice sender email, 
they might send a follow-up invoice from like a fake version of the payee's Im- email. Yeah. So like they they might even create like a whole fake company website and stuff that's just like one letter off from the the real company and like send it right away so that they pay, you know, the the fake invoice instead of the the real invoice. Um and this sounds like something that like people would catch, especially because this is like huge money that they're sti- like these are big corporations that they tend to go after. Yeah. Um, they uh, Hush Puppy, uh, he he got a lot of money from like a law firm. Um, he went after a a professional football club in England, and like you know these are like lots and lots of money. Yeah. Um, but the way, like, I've worked in jobs where you process invoices and stuff, and, like, it's, there isn't a lot of double checking unless somebody's like, hey, I didn't get my money, or, yeah. you know, like, and, and a lot of times these invoices take a long time to pay, so it might take a while for somebody to realize that they haven't gotten their money for nefarious purposes. They might think it's just, like, you know, taking a long time to process the paperwork. Yeah, and, so, and data, in, like, when you have, like, a, a squad, like, a fleet of data entry employees, like, they're not, like, you know, like, not not knocking the, the the job, but it's not like it's not like a, high, a highly trained job. Like most of them don't have like fraud training and stuff like that. You know, it's just right. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's unless you're sort of looking out for it, it's like of course this PDF that this person sent me is going to have the right information. Like it came from yeah, their email. Yeah, yeah. Why you know like. I'm not checking the bank account to see where it goes. I'm just like putting the numbers <laughs> yeah. in. Also, player, I don't get paid enough to do this shit. You know, like, exactly. Yeah. Also that. Yeah. Also very much that. Oh um, man, I, when I, yeah, I worked so at a this... call center for a, a for bill collection one time, and they had a thing like we we they got rid of all trash cans because there was the the concern that we would like write somebody's account number down to do mm-hmm. something and then mm-hmm. throw it away in regular trash cans and then you know throw yep. that in the regular trash. So they took them all away, which kind of sucks. You have a bunch of trash in your desk. So I started writing people's account numbers on trash and then putting it in the secure documents container. <laughs> pretty happy. Nice. So those are the kind of people that are staffing those positions. So of course, yes. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, like, as I said, this is a relatively recent sort of crime, but it's, like, using this social engineering technology that, like, has been around since the beginning of the internet. And, like, as many of these internet scams have been, they think that it probably originated in Nigeria, and these days about half of all BEC attacks appear to originate in Nigeria. Hell yeah, hold it down. Yeah, and like I, it's this article was really interesting because it goes into sort of why that is, and uh, I it it was fascinating to read about. So, like obviously we all sort of joke about the fact that like Nigerian print scams have been around forever, and this yeah. is sort of like a co- a cottage industry in in West Africa um, that people would do these social engineering attacks, and. Um, yeah, basically around 2015, they realized uh, they could make more money targeting businesses than they could targeting individuals. And um, in the early 2000s, cyber cafes began opening all around Lagos, and um, young men like Hush Puppy would go to them to get on the internet. Yeah. And at first, they were mostly using the internet like anyone else wants to use the internet to like talk to people and see what's out there and stuff. But as soon as they said they were from Nigeria, no one wanted to talk to them because (laughs) there's this whole, you know, perception of Nigerians on the Internet are are trying to scam you. Yeah, yeah. So um, it turns out, like... Oh, there's some some sad guy in in, in an internet cafe in Nigeria just like, hello, trying to make a friend. Anyone (laughs) wants to be friends? Yeah, I am not royalty. I'm not claiming to be associated with royalty. I don't want to marry you, you know, like just, <laughs> I just right. I just want to talk about sports, man. I just let's play video games together. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I just want to show like, you we bought a zoo memes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like Nigeria is a really tough place to live. It's uh extremely high levels of unemployment. The government is very corrupt. Um they're very it's very hard to be like a young man in Nigeria. Yeah. And this is an easy way to get money. And uh, there's like a whole sort of culture of these guys in Nigeria um, that are called Yahoo Boys because (laughs) a lot of their early scams were through Yahoo email accounts, which Uh, I think is really funny. That's so sick. The (laughs) Yahoo Boys love it. Yeah. So Hush Puppy is really just like an extremely successful Yahoo Boy. Like... 
Great, that's... great sentence. I love that sentence. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so this article like quotes a, a Nigerian sociologist in Lagos who says, when people face survival challenges, they innovate. And when they innovate, if there's no system to address their innovation in a decisive way, it becomes the norm. So like... There was no other way for them to make money. They were very talented. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of knowledge in these communities about how to perpetrate these scams. And so people just sort of figured out how to do them on a on a grander scale. And that's probably how Hush Puppy got to start. Yeah. You know, it, you know it, I, yeah, you know, like I said, we, we've, we've said it before, you know, like, uh, not necessarily a pro crime, true crime podcast, but like, I'm, I'm totally of the, the thought, uh, school that like, if your back's against the wall, you know, do what you got to do. And, and then the, these things are targeting businesses, not so much people. I mean, hell, I just, to me, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's like, I can understand like, uh, like weighing the options out in your head and being like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm doing this, you know? <laughs> It's, it's like as close to a victimless crime as can be for this amount of money, I feel like. You yeah. know, like, I, it sucks if they're, like, taking it from some freelancer or something. But these are, like, big corporations paying, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, like, other corporations. You know, it's not... Yeah. It's a lot of times, like I said, they don't even notice the money's gone until later. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't do this, but also, like... If you're like a poor young guy in Nigeria and you have no other options, I get it. I get yeah, why yeah. you would do this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think and it's funny with that with that that discussion. Like, uh, like when people talking about the um, uh, the border crisis and everybody co- uh, coming through, and I just remember seeing like the sentiment on Facebook where people would be like, "I'm sorry, I thought the exp- like expression was I would do anything for my kids," and I saw a right. couple of like right wingers on Facebook respond to that, and be like. No, the expression is I would do anything for my kids except break the law. <laughs> it's like that's not right. that's not the expression, but I did that was a No, and now and now all those people want fake vaccine cards, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> you're mad that these people are forging immigration documents meanwhile you're trying to get your fake CDC credentials. So like shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I misplaced my vaccine card. I, I need to find it cuz it's like yeah. Yeah, you got to find that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was on my windowsill. It's not. So anyway. Oh no. If it blew away. Well, yeah, the, wind, yeah, the window's never been open, but I've just been staying at my okay. girls a lot, so I've been here and so yeah, heads up, need to look for that shit. Uh, although you are in Texas, so nobody will ever ask to see it probably. Yeah, so that is a violation okay. of, my, of my hippo rights. You can't talk exactly. to me like that, goddamn it. <laughs> um so on on a on a definitely uh, downer note, there is a big problem, not only with Yahoo Boys in Nigeria, but also with the way Yahoo Boys are treated by um, the police. There uh, is a huge problem with like basically just being a young man with a phone and a laptop is enough to get you hassled or beaten or even extrajudicially murdered by the police in Nigeria. God damn. Um, it's like a really horrible situation. Yeah, there have been a lot of like recent protests about it because there's just like, you know, yeah. much like there is here, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of bias against against uh, young men from a certain class. Yeah, and uh, you know, like they they don't have the the race problem necessarily that that we do, uh, but it's still. It's tough to be a young man without a job anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. From from so. Appala- from Appalachia to West Africa to you know to, to yeah, it's it's not a not an easy spot to be in. Yeah, so um, that is sort of the irony of this is like Hush Puppy is living it up in uh in Dubai while people like him who didn't get out of Nigeria, even if they're not involved in this, even if they're just you know like. A young person with the wrong, who is too technically savvy, yeah, can be can be bothered and, and hassled and, and even killed. So. And I'm sure it's a, it's a huge thing. I read something recently about the the like mobile devices are insanely popular in Nigeria, like and like like very high end ones because people are just less likely to own like a desktop computer, and so mm-hmm. like they early adapted like smartphones, like like to, like you know quick quick and fast a little sooner than like uh, a lot of countries in the world did and so like it's you know like especially in like big cities like lagos i've heard it's like very common to have like an insanely high-end cell phone that you like pretty much manage all of your electronic affairs from like you don't have a computer and so if yeah. you've got to be a dude with a cell phone uh it's a pretty wide net you know yeah definitely um yeah so it's it's definitely like a very sort of fraught cultural thing in Nigeria right now like the prevalence of these scams and sort of 
the perception of Nigerians as scammers is like really fucked up and you know it's it's a very complicated issue that I do not know enough about to yeah. like talk about further but I would recommend reading this article if this interests you because because I found it really interesting they should change um, the name from Yahoo Boys to the Google Kids and I think that just come across a little better that would help I think yeah. that would help <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to Hush Puppy uh you know, it is unknown sort of where we are at this story that that is what he is doing. Um, but it, it's this is a prevalent enough thing in uh, Nigerian culture that like when he's getting into these beefs with rappers that like raise his profile, the the beefing is like very frequently they point out that he won't disclose the source of his money. He's shady. He's going after legitimate artists and beefing with them. Meanwhile, he's just like, a Yahoo boy, you know, that's, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's in the air. Like he hasn't admitted to anything and he hasn't been charged with anything, but the perception of him is that he's, he's doing something nefarious. A lot of this stuff reminds me of, um, he's sort of like a Nigerian Dan Bilzerian. Do you remember when we talked? About oh him? yeah. 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 Dan Bilzerian. Yeah. The, I, yeah. Just stunting on Instagram. You don't quite know how he got it. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I think like Dan Bilzerian, as we spoke about in that episode, turned out to be in a lot of debt, which this guy wasn't. But same kind of thing where it's like he's sort of famous, but people know that he's not on the up and up. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's when he ar gets in these arguments with these other Nigerian celebrities, it brings more people to his page. And, you know, by 2017, he has millions of followers and uh, people in Nigeria, like young people in Nigeria, find him very inspiring because he's from this very humble background. And uh, he, he talks about it a lot. So the Bloomberg article says, in May 2017, he posted a photo of himself in a hot tub with a glass of wine. Uh, the stunning coast of the Greek island of Santorini stretched out behind him. Letter to the ghetto kid, the several hundred word caption began. As a man that I am today, who developed from being one of you guys, who went through the same struggles you are presently going through, I know society does not expect you to make it. I am you, you are me. I represent every underprivileged kid of the world, and especially of Nigeria, and of Lagos, and of Bariga, and of Oronsoki. Uh, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I think that's it, his neighborhood. Word. Um, but yeah, so he's like, you know... Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting also uh, Jay Mazzini vibes off of him. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely. That's why, like, even though his scam wasn't Instagram, on Instagram, like, it is definitely part of his thing that yeah. he's, like, one of these hustle culture Instagram guys. And um, he, you know, he, he brings some of his friends from Nigeria up with him. Uh, one guy that becomes important to the story later is his his friend Ponle from back in, in Lagos, who um, he was having trouble finding a job in Nigeria. And so Hush Puppy was like, hey, why don't you come live with me in Dubai? I got plenty of room in my Palazzo Versace penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dubai has a good economy. Maybe you can find some work. Um, so Ponle starts living with him and he be he basically becomes like Hush Puppy's hype man. You know, like Hell yeah. he he starts wearing uh tracksuits that say Team Hush on them, which is like pretty <laughs> sick. <laughs> that's tight. Yeah, but like that's definitely a, a flex is having someone, a tracksuited person following you around bearing your logo. <laughs> like, Right, like, I would feel very kind of, uh, you know, if I were Ponley, I would feel pretty emasculated by that. But, uh, yeah. you know, he's living for free in the penthouse, so he, he doesn't care. Yeah, I can help. He's, taking, he's taking the Farnsworth-Bentley approach. Exactly, just, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll hold Puff's umbrella, I don't give a shit. <laughs> sure, why not? I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ponley, like, he, he does say that he was looking for work, but he was having trouble finding some and um, that he thinks this may have been due to the fact that he was Nigerian. There's a lot of racism in Dubai. Um, people were offering him extremely low wages, sort of presum presuming that he would work for, for very cheap because he was African. Like, oh, yeah. there's a big sort of itinerant labor population in Dubai that is, like, very exploited. Yeah, and, I know, I've uh, heard about, like, like the, 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 like, young Indian men. Uh, like, I, mm -hmm. believe, I believe it's, like, one of the, the larger, like, segments of, of that group. Uh, going out there and getting like essentially like you know like 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 forced into like indentured servitude yeah and again like stuff that i do not feel qualified speaking more about but i do know that that is uh, definitely a, a problem there <laughs> yeah. and that yeah this this guy was not 
was was having trouble finding suitable work, and so he was basically just hanging out with his friend and uh, wearing the team hush track suit. So <laughs> Man, I, good I, for him. So I'm making a small prediction about the future. If his homeboy is eventually his downfall, like what? Uh, like what is like a classic tale? Like your buddy from back home moves with you to where you're at now, doesn't find a job, and somehow brings down your empire. I don't know if that's what's gonna <laughs> happen, but that that, that is uh, so relatable. Uh, I feel like what what actually ends up happening is kind of even sadder than that for Ponley, but uh, it, it, that is a very educated guess. Okay. <laughs> there, some similar stuff goes on. Um, but yeah, they're basically like living it up. Um, this is a really funny uh, thing that, that Hush Puppy posted that I just I want to share from the beginning of the quarantine uh, in April 2020. He posted himself uh, a picture of himself in his hot tub and uh, the caption was, my quarantine and your quarantine are not mates. Which is very funny. <laughs> um, but then even funnier, uh, he, he sort of realizes that maybe this is a little tone deaf. Uh, so he tries to be woke after that. And yeah. he posts, uh, while you're sanitizing and wiping everything down, be sure to wipe racism, hatred, and jealousy out of your heart. <laughs> Hell yeah. And Dude, then he's got all the ingredients of like just like a, a shallow, shitty Instagram influencer. Like, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is fully uh, underlined by the following tags that he puts on this. So he says, yeah, uh, wipe racism, hatred, and jealousy out of your heart. That too is a virus. Hashtag Louis Vuitton. Hashtag Rolls Royce. <laughs> Hashtag Dubai, hashtag Black Lives Matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> just amazing yeah. work going on. I'm just yeah, surprised he didn't put Versace belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hashtag Versace belt. Um, okay, so that now that we've gotten sort of a, a picture of this guy and the scams he was doing, uh, I will end this by talking about how he ended up getting got. And this is something that the Bloomberg article goes way more into detail on. So if you're interested in the particulars of this, definitely check out the article. Um, but yeah, so the, the main sort of thing that happened to him is that uh, his main accomplice, like I mentioned at the beginning, the, the guy who in Toronto, uh, his last name's Alumari. Yeah. Um, he ends up flipping and uh, informing to the FBI. They uh. arrest him, he flips. Um, Hush Puppy, obviously, is, this is unbeknownst to him. He does not know. But starting in mid-2019, when this guy uh, flips, he starts being surveilled by the FBI as well as authorities in the United Arab Emirates. Um, he seemed to sort of sense that the heat was on because around this time, he changes his Instagram bio from billionaire Gucci master to real estate developer. <laughs> it's very funny. Hell yeah. Sanitize <laughs> that shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, apparently he was like not cautious at all with um, his sort of his own opsec, despite infiltrating other people's emails and stuff. Yeah. Um, he was just using his, like his main phone, uh, he was using, he was talking about all of this stuff on his real email, which was rayhushpuppy at gmail.com. Like, <laughs> absolutely, like, the same email he has on Instagram and Snapchat. Like, th there is no denying that yeah, he yeah, is a yeah. part of no, this. Zero creep whatsoever. Oh, yeah. man. And, uh, yeah, so so they get an abundance of information on this guy. And, yeah, he, he attempts to defraud that uh, English soccer team. Um, he, uh, he, he doesn't actually end up being able to go after them or like, I think they get some money from them, but it like can't go to his bank account or something. Um, but they target it and it's like a hundred million dollars. So like, that's the level of transactions that we're talking about. Wow. Here. That's yeah. That's, that's insane. How do you, how do you even keep that on the hush, man? That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, he's not, and that's kind of the, the, sort of epilogue of this is like yeah. he probably wouldn't have gotten caught if he wasn't so flagrant about flaunting his wealth. Yeah. Um, but he, the thing that they mainly get him for is there's a wire transfer of uh, almost a million dollars, $922,857 and 76 cents. Uh, it was supposed to be a payment to a client of a New York law firm who'd uh, refinanced a piece of real estate but um, uh, Hush Puppy did this BEC scam 
with with them um the article also talks about how there's like a whole sort of hierarchy and ring of people that do this and probably the people who are getting like the real money like the big big money from this according to the article are hackers in north korea so oh. those are people that that hush puppy would work with and then there's like a bunch of people on the ground and th- there's like a whole network north korea um, is so like bizarre because like literally like like main like like large significant portions of its like gdp or whatever are literally off like meth and fucking like right yeah. like stuff like this yeah, yeah. They, they like they make their money like uh, like uh like a, like a drug dealer it's like they make their money like a criminal as a government it's pretty i guess all governments do that but it's just funny like yeah like they literally like uh there was like a ship seized or whatever like a north korean cargo ship seized that was just like full of meth and they like suspect that there's probably just large state-run meth factories uh in north korea because yeah know, who's gonna tell them one I mean, way or the other and then they're like yeah not- not to defend North Korea, please do not misunderstand me, but like every country has sanctions against them. So like there's no way they can make money legally. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. like th- no nobody will like enter into trade with them. So they're like, well, I guess meth and uh hacking. fishing scams yeah, are how we're doing it. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it, which you know is a completely like, you know, like what other choice do you have? It is just funny like their their income source just reads like the most like janky ass dude you know. <laughs> completely. Yeah, on the grandest scale possible yeah, yeah. Uh, i've been it's selling so ice and scamming senior citizens for the last seven years and uh, <laughs> and also i run a government on that. Yeah, 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 i'm also yeah, yeah. i also have state power <laughs> like, it's crazy i'm also really good at basketball like uh, godly good but i you know, no one's ever seen it <laughs> um yeah so like they're they're taking money from these law firms like they have this whole network um but uh, the authorities seem like primarily interested in in taking down Hush Puppy because that you know he's the he's probably the easiest target. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. He he flips to to his his accomplice flips, and then um you know they spend about a year collecting surveillance information on on Hush Puppy, and uh, in June of 2020 his suite. Uh, at the Palazzo Versace is raided by the Dubai SWAT team. Um, <laughs> seem like people rain. you really don't yeah. want to yeah. uh, cross. Is the, Dubai SWAT, like an, yeah. is the Dubai SWAT team also in Versace? I just, I just, I just <laughs> That's what I imagine, yeah. being like a very well-funded uh, you know, uh, uh, state uh, uh, arm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so... They arrest about a dozen of his accomplices, including his friend Ponlay. Uh. Uh, yeah, Ponlay, Ponlay does does not meet a great end here. Um, so police say uh, they confiscated 47 phones, 21 laptops, $7 million worth of cars, and $40 million from all of these simultaneous Whoa. raids. See, it's like yeah. at 40 million, like a million. If I, whatever, if I you know, get a wild hair up my ass and pull a scheme and I get a million dollars. I like, I, I like to think I'd be out. I'd be like, all right, I'm done. And like, I'm, I'm done with that. I, I got a million bucks. That's all I need. But again, I'm, you know, I'm not a billionaire Gucci master with a Dubai rent payment, you know? Like, so I, mean, I guess it's just a, a different thing, but yeah. I, yeah. This I would, is what we refer to as lifestyle creep. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> your standard of living increases at the pace of your uh, income so that you are never satisfied. That yeah. is, that is what is going on here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know. Yes. Yeah, so it tells me I could, if I came upon like a, a shady mill, I would just tuck it under the mattress. I'd still live on Riverside drive. And like, I just, yep. yeah. I'd like to think that's what I do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah Although, who, who like, knows? I, uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, I'm, uh, I, I just took a job, uh, that pays better than I've ever been paid in my life. Hell yeah. And by like a lot, like I'm not making great money, but by my standards, I'm making crazy money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I am I am entering the middle class for the first time in my adult life. That's yeah. how I will put it. Um, and I'm I'm thinking about moving. So I right now I live with roommates. And um, when I first started looking at apartments, I was like, oh, I, I'll get a studio. You know, like yeah. I can afford a studio. And then the more I look at apartments, I'm like, I'm gonna get a one bedroom. Yeah. I'm gonna get a one bedroom. <laughs> 
and uh, I, it should have a separate kitchen. It should have a separate <laughs> kitchen. So it's, like it just keeps yeah. increasing. And I haven't even moved yet. And I haven't even started this job yet. So yeah. like I see how this happens, you know. Granted, a one-bedroom apartment for a 33-year-old woman is not as outlandish as the Palazzo Versace. Yeah. Thing, but <laughs> well, I understand. When, when, I, when I started working at AT&T, uh, like I was, I was fresh out of clean. I had just moved there to, to Hartford. Got a job at AT&T. Got my first commission check and had never seen that amount of money. Like, I think I got like three grand or something that month. And I was just like... It, it ruined my life. Like I, 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 I spent the, the three years I worked at AT&T, which is probably like the highest paying job I've ever had. I was the brokest I'd ever been. Cause I was just like, just going crazy. You know, 23 years old, no sense about me whatsoever. And yeah, yeah this is, yeah, a certain amount of money. Well, yeah, just, we'll just like ruin your shit. Yeah. You got, you really got to be careful. I, I really, I feel like I learned this lesson very valuably from, um, a, a very good friend of mine who I lived with when I first moved to New York, who made really good money. And she was so conservative with it, just like in terms of like how she spent it and like yeah. what she, like she would get herself like treats and stuff, but she was like my sort of regular stuff. I can't, upgrade because then that's an expectation that I will have forever. Yeah. And like that's unsustainable. So like her example was, she was like, I still use, even though I could afford $60 moisturizer, I use $20 moisturizer because I don't want to get used to $60 moisturizer. Like uh, that yeah. is not a good way for me to spend my money. I'm perfectly happy with $20 moisturizer. There is no need for me to upgrade. Like just those little things like that are so hard to sort of keep in check and yeah. uh yeah it's it's i can see how especially if you are you know this guy grew up poor and he's like super into designers and stuff it could easily spiral out of control yeah yeah <laughs> i remember when i found nike id where you could design your own nike shoes <laughs> like and i wish i had never found that website <laughs> yeah it was like it was like 2000 it's and like ruined oh, your life yeah like 2010 i was like wait hold on i can do what now <laughs> like, right I, it's I, like i was perfectly fine with nikes before this yeah. i didn't need to know this i was already like, spending like an, unresp an irresponsible amount of money on nikes <laughs> and now i'm spending an even wilder one because i could put pz on the back of the shoe <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. so you know i i'd hope i'd hope that i'd put the million under my mattress but but who knows yeah yeah um but yeah, so uh, they they raid his his suite. Uh, an especially sort of gross part of this that I feel like really speaks to this whole story is uh, after they raided this his suite and everything, the Dubai Police Department made uh, basically like an action movie trailer of them doing it and oh, put it on God. YouTube. So it's like every person involved in this is trying to go viral. Yeah, like yeah. the Instagram guy, the police department, like yeah. everybody's in it for the likes. It's very dark. Oh, so. man, yeah, yeah, just globally cops ain't shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, um, but yeah, so they, they arrest all these guys and it seemed like the this was sort of in, in conjunction with, with the FBI. Um, but the U.S. is only interested in Abbas, who's a.k.a. Hush Puppy, and Ponlay. Like, those are the only two people who go to the U.S. So those guys get put on a plane to the U.S. Uh, for, you know, arraignment and all that stuff. The ten other guys that get arrested just sort of disappear into the United Arab Emirates justice system. Ooh, they oh. don't have charges against them. They don't have lawyers. They uh, yeah, just that's... sort of... Yeah, that's terrifying. It's to think. Dark. Yeah, to think about like, and, and that's just like it's insane. Like, like making the little action movie trailer, it's like ostensibly it's to show people like, hey, look, we're out here protecting you, and it's like, does that have anything to fucking do with anybody? Like, that's that's a, a dude from Nigeria stealing money from American companies. Like, you know, we here in the, in the UAE, like, what does that have to do with? How does that affect anyone on the yeah. ground? And it's like, you're yeah, it's just stupid. It's yeah, I mean, it's like it's very much another example of like the uh force of american imperialism that like we are you know like the u.s doesn't condone this stuff but we're basically setting in motion things that put people in these yeah yeah you know situations where their human rights are being completely disregarded and uh it's really dark and uh yeah so these guys i do like they do eventually get out so they were held for like six months and um, according to one of the guys who was held, 
Uh, you know, they were subject to all kinds of abuses. Um, and then when they were released, they were told they had to pay for their own plane tickets back to Nigeria. They, you know, just went with the clothes on their backs and were just like sent back. Um, so not not great. Um, oh man, yeah, yeah that's. It. I got stopped at a, a checkpoint going on a Ford Hood one time, and they they mistook me or they were looking for somebody else and they thought me and my boy were this were these people and they just like i had some like really like messy ass station wagon back in the day and they just mm -hmm. toured through it looking for drugs and tore out all this paper and shit and it was like all out there in the little check-in point and then when they found out i wasn't the person they were looking for i tried to get in my car and leave and they like stopped me and made me pick up all the papers that they threw out of my car <laughs> and i was just like y'all yeah. make a mess i gotta clean it up okay absolutely no accountability yeah. like yeah people get so fucking power hungry and fascistic as soon as they get in those positions and it's it's really dark yeah yeah um but yeah so um you know the story kind of ends at this point with hush puppy and ponley uh ponley is facing trial in chicago uh hush puppy had a preliminary hearing but was then transferred to los angeles uh he's charged with money laundering and wire fraud He's still in jail. They're both awaiting trial. Um, no sentences have been been handed down yet, but um, basically, like experts who work in these fields, are talk about this as basically like all this kind of does is serve to highlight how rarely these um, you know these email attacks are um, actually prosecuted. Yeah. Like th this guy, like really was only caught, and this sort of like you know, multi-continental international coordination with these law enforcement bodies, it really only happened because he was so prominent on Instagram. Like, yeah. that's how they knew about all of this stuff. And um, a lot of these people, because they are working internationally, there's like people, you know, this guy had somebody in Canada. He had people in North Korea. He had people in Nigeria. He had people in Dubai. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to coordinate all of those law enforcement agencies in order to stop these people. And as we said, businesses are so embarrassed when this happens, they try to just kind of deal with it internally. So... Yeah. Also, like, also, it was crazy. It's like, like I, I guarantee you, if you look at the... Um, the the day to day machinations of the people in charge of the companies that he pulled those scams on, I'm sure they've all committed wire fraud. <laughs> they've all committed m money sure. laundering, laundering to an extent or to a degree. It's just yeah, it's such a weird thing. It's like these like figurehead arrests, like when the like a police department on Facebook has like thirty dollars and two bags of weed on the table, and they're like, go yeah. off the streets, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean the the sort of legality of this stuff is like. It's it it seems sort of arbitrary at a point like it's especially now it just feels like all sort of transactions are a form of money laundering to uh, enrich rich people <laughs> you <Yeah>. know like <laughs> it's really hard to not feel like all of the money is just flowing upward in a way that is illicit <laughs> yeah. so yeah I mean the thing that's like hard is like we said like is this worth it I mean if he wasn't flaunting on Instagram like yeah definitely he yeah. was. He was doing really well. I mean, I don't really want to live in the Versace Hotel in Dubai, but like, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't feel super bad for his victims. I they're mostly businesses. I mean, there were like little people involved who were sort of duped into opening bank accounts and stuff for him that yeah, I feel bad for them. But like, yeah, you know, I don't feel bad for the British soccer club or whatever. Yeah. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, and when, and when you look at like it's it's kind of like you saw that with the um the Robin Hood, uh, like like uh, like GameStop thing earlier this year, it was like mm. once like regular people started engaging in the same kind of behaviors that the elite engaged in, it was like everything was upside down at that point. It's like oh well, no, you you guys right. you guys can't manipulate the market. Like you can't uh, wire money or, or, or cheat people out. You know, it's, it's uh, people can't do it. Only we can do that. And it's like when somebody like right. steps out of line like that, and to watch it get swatted down is just heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, like, with that stuff, it's, like, the problem isn't what you're doing. It's that it's, like, populism. It's that a bunch of yeah. regular people are doing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> all of this stuff is fake and exploitative, but, like, you don't get a piece. That's the, that's yeah. the issue. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not going to say I feel bad for this guy, but, like, I, I do feel like of many of the scams that we've covered, it has one of the highest payoffs to one of the lowest levels of harm that we've yeah, done in a while. Yeah, that's, so that's, like it's hard not to be like, well, worth a try. If you're like if your choices are living in 
Lagos and being beaten by the police anyway. Yeah. You know, because they think you're a Yahoo boy anyway. Why not try to get millions of dollars? Yeah. Why? It? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> that's. Yeah, that's crazy. They're like, I, I, I swear, it's like, um, just every. With every news story, it's, it's like whatever, like weird little pegs were propping up our financial system and just like crumbling like visibly. And I just thought about like last night, Jake had people donate five hundred dollars to him to play in one role in a dice game, and I was like, man, that is the most twenty twenty one America finance <laughs> thing. Like, just true, yeah. That like is what the economy is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. And and like it, it's just that some of the proper nouns get changed. You yeah, know? But, yeah, like yeah. that's basically what investing is. Is Put it, giving someone money to do a dice roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, man. yeah. Good for Jake. Yeah, Worth yeah, yeah. Good yeah. for Jake. Yeah, good for him. I, I hope he doesn't get hush puppy. I'll, I'll give him like give him too much uh, uh, too much visibility on that. Yeah, but, tell him not to flex on Instagram. Yeah. that's the moral of this story. I'm like, hey, Jake, don't uh, flex on keep Insta- it hush hush. Yeah, don't flex on Instagram. Meanwhile, I, I did mention it on the podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> but you don't flex on Instagram, sir. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, worth it. Yeah, he said it's a, it's a murky area, but it just doesn't seem like he did anything, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like he did anything worse than what most CEOs, I would say, do uh, uh, in a fiscal quarter. You know, like, sure. it just doesn't doesn't seem different. So, yeah, that's a damn shame. So he's still awaiting trial, and he, uh, like, as, as far as, like, what's going to happen to him? Yeah, he he and Ponley are both um, still, they haven't been, I, I don't even think they've been convicted yet. I, yeah. th- I think they're still like in that process. So not only have they not been sentenced yet, they haven't even been convicted. So, yeah. you know, I mean, well, I, I, I don't, they've probably frozen Hush Puppy's assets, but I can imagine if not, he is probably can afford a very good lawyer. So yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll be free. Maybe he has gotten so big yeah. that he, uh, he's too big to fail now. We'll see. Well, the silver lining here is that um, since they had time to worry about this, that means the American justice system has solved everything else, I guess. So that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's t- here, here very am, encouraging to hear. Yeah. Here I am thinking we had like, you know, like white nationalist separatist groups storming the Capitol and then walking about their daily business for the next five months but i guess they wrapped all that up because they were able to focus on this so you know thank goodness yeah 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 thank god for that well damn kath thank you very much for telling me about that that was rad i love those like very like new and current instagram stories uh put them we'll put them in the caroline calloway and jay mazzini hall um <laughs> absolutely with yeah. dan bilzerian yeah, 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 all, yeah, yeah. All three of them <laughs> Oh man, just like that, it's that car pulling up to the party. It's just Dan Bilzerian, Hush Puppy, Caroline Calloway, and Jay Mazzini. And it's like, uh, yeah, hide your wallet. What a wa- team. Yeah, hide your wallet. Put the tip, <laughs> put the tip jar behind the bar. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right, well, well she- yeah. Do you uh, do you have anything to plug, Pat? Uh, yeah, I do actually. I am going to be going on the road quite a bit uh, here in the upcoming weeks and months, um, but. Uh, immediately, it's going to be, um, if you live in uh, Waco, Texas, I'll be at Slapsticks Comedy Club, the, t- the 20th to the 21st, uh, featuring for CJ Star, and then I'll be at um, Angelita Winery in Corsicana, Texas on August 27th, Fort Smith Brewery uh, in Fort Smith, Arkansas on August 28th, August 29th, I'm in Austin at Suds Monkey, but then in September and October, I'm going all over the Northwest. I'll have the uh, dates up uh, a little later, but if you're out there, I'm going to be doing Kansas and Wyoming, Idaho, but then it's Washington, Washington, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Oregon, Washington. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get those dates up there, but if you guys are listeners out there in that part of the country, you want to come out and see me do some stand-up, uh, that will be where I'll be at uh, late September and early October. So, just cool. want to throw that out. Um, I have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive. It's a weekly podcast about dumb news stories. Uh, you can check that out at What a Time Pod uh, on pretty much everything. Uh, what a Time to Be Alive on, on your podcast app. Uh, I'm Kath Barbadoro on Insta- on Twitter. I don't know why I said Instagram. I guess we've been talking about Instagram a lot. I mean, you can follow me there, but yeah. it's not that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I have some dates coming up in September, so um, definitely get on my Twitter and I'll, I'll post about those if you're in the New York City area. Um, also, in the meantime, uh, get on our Patreon. We do two Patreon-only episodes a month in addition to the two free ones we put out a month. 
Uh, we just did one about uh, Joe Mercola, who is a piece of shit uh, anti-vax supplement shill. That's up on there. Uh, yeah, so that is patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal, A-N-D. Um, if you can't subscribe or you don't feel like subscribing but you want to help us out, uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That's always great. We yeah. really appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, follow us at LCS Podcast on Twitter, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah, guys, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be safe out there, guys. Be smart, and, uh, you know, b- above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye. Bye.